In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Today, thanks be to God, we reach the halfway point of our Advent journey in an unusually short Advent this year. And the church, for one day, puts aside the penitential purple and breaks out again the bells and the organ, flowers, and all those joyful signs that our time of watching and waiting is drawing near to a close. This day, as you know, is often called Gaudete Sunday, from the Latin words of the entrance antiphon, or introit, of today's celebration. These words are taken from Philippians chapter 4. Gaudete, rejoice in the Lord, always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Now, I don't know about you, but I think I needed to hear that message from the Word of God this morning. Right? It really comes as a very consoling thing to hear during this particular part of the year. Holy Mother Church knows all too well that everybody is getting excited about Christmas. And so the praying church, through the words of the Apostle Paul, literally commands us to be happy and repeats this imperative. Rejoice. The church knows that this time of year can be super stressful. There's presents to buy, dinners to cook, parties to attend, families that are coming into town, friends that you have to entertain. There's so much to do. And we all know that it can go terribly wrong at any moment. And for our priests, we're trying to make sure that everybody gets their halos polished before Christmas, right? It's a crazy time of year. So the church gives us that shot in the arm to remind us of something that we probably need to hear. Everything is going to be okay. So to all of my mamas out there who are losing their minds over the Christmas season, listen up, okay? Chill out, okay? Enjoy this season. And more importantly, the reason for the season, Jesus. But the church is a wise mother in all kinds of other ways too, right? As we talked a little bit about last week, you know, she knows that the holidays are not always happy for everyone. There are many people all over the world who are lonely and depressed, sick and suffering. There are those who will be celebrating Christmas for the first time this year without a familiar face at the table, and they're submerged by grief. The church knows all too well that here we are 2,000-plus years after the birth of the Prince of Peace, and we still see strife, 
war, division, hatred, poverty, discrimination, injustice, a whole laundry list of evils that show that the Christ child has yet to be born in the hearts of all men. And in this year of our Lord, 2023, we have the added horrifying thing that the very land which is called holy, the land where Jesus was born, is disintegrating entirely into war. There's one Catholic church in Gaza, and I've been watching very carefully the life of this parish. It is absolutely amazing. You know, every day those people are coming to Mass in the midst of rockets, not knowing whether they're ever going to get home from Mass one day. And a couple of days ago, a, a, two women, a mother and her daughter, they were going to Mass. And so walking out of the church, that was the last time that they walked out of that church. It is very important for us to pray and to work for justice and peace everywhere in the world, but particularly in the Holy Land. So we remember them with our prayers and do everything that we can to support a just peace. It shows us that there's this groaning, striving, yearning to be whole. There is a burning peace for peace, a burning desire, rather, for peace that is in our hearts. Peace in our families, peace in our world. There's a longing for forgiveness, reconciliation, and restoration. That longing is in our hearts because we know we need it. It's very easy amidst all the excesses of the Hallmark Holiday Winter Festival, right, to still feel the emptiness, bitterness, and anger of cruel Herod instead of the sweetness, the fullness, and the love of Mary and Joseph. And into all of that, the church still bids her children rejoice. Do not be anxious. The church reminds us that the Lord wants us to come to Him and confide in Him all of our wants, all of our needs, everything that we have in our hearts all the joys and all the sorrows, every wound that needs to be healed, every thanks that needs to be given. I want you to think about the fact that when you walked into church this morning, into the house of God and the gate of heaven, that you come to kneel at the feet of a king who has been waiting for you from all eternity. He wants to be with you. But are you going to let him? Are you going to shut him out because of all of the brokenness and sadness in the world? It is such a beautiful and lofty thought that the church puts on the lips of her children today. But you know, it's not 
just a slogan, right, like an inspirational quote on the coffee room wall of the office, right, to kind of get us through the night after Christmas. So before you settle down this afternoon for a long winter's nap, I've got a homework assignment for you. I want you to take your Bibles and open God's Word to the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians chapter 4. Okay, why? Because we have this little snippet that is part of the introit, right? Okay. But you don't necessarily understand how really wonderful and amazing it is. I mean, even on its own it is. But when you see what Paul is doing in this context of the Philippians, hopefully it will give you even more beautiful things to think about. So remember that in with all of those churches that Paul planted, right, he had great affection for the saints in God that dwelled in Philippi. You know, it's interesting. He doesn't open his letter with this formulaic intro like he does most of his other letters. Right? He writes, My brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, as a good shepherd, he reminds them not only how much God loves them, but how much he loves them and how highly he thinks of them. But he also turns very quickly to some drama that had been threatening to tear those who loved in that church apart from each other. I entreat Aodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement, the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, you know, we don't know exactly what happened. But two women, Eodia and Syntyche, who were leaders in the life of the church, had such a brutal disagreement that their fight spread to everyone else in the church, and it threatened that communion of souls that is supposed to be the unity of the baptized in Christ. And Paul doesn't pull any punches when he talks about this situation, right? He calls them out by name as the people who started the problem, right? And he's not sitting there with this passive-aggressive kind of, well, you know, people are saying, right? they think, no. He goes right to the heart of the problem and begs the two women for the love of God to stop fighting with each other. And not only that, he asks my true companion to help these women. It's kind of a strange sentence. Paul writes to all the saints who are at Philippi, but here he refers to them not in the plural but in the singular. The English Standard Version uses the word companion, but the Greek has more of the sense of true yoke fellow. Paul emphasizes here that we are all one in Christ. 
We are all under the sweet yoke of the law of love that is the law of the Spirit given to us at baptism. Paul says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. But a more precise translation of the Greek can be gentleness. When Paul was writing the troubled Christians at Philippi, there's no way that he could have known that later generations would excerpt him on joy to help us prepare for Christmas, right? His objective was to show how when we show gentleness and joy with those Christians with whom we are yoked under the gospel, that is what brings about reconciliation and restoration. But we don't always get this, do we? What happens? When we see division anywhere, we are very quick to take sides. It's always an us versus them, right? And so often we take sides with the person who we identify the most with, okay? Or the person that we see as a friend rather than a foe, This is a natural human thing to do, I think. Now, if we're smart, we might tap into our inner lawyer and want to seek out the truth so that justice can be served and wrongs made right. But so often in interpersonal relationship, what's, what we do is that we just add fuel to the fire. I mean, who was right here? Yeah. Eudokia or Syntyche? I mean, was the right somewhere in the middle? You know, the curious part of me wants to say, what was the big deal? What happened? Right? But we're not meant to know. And we remember that often when our Lord reminds us to be very careful about judging others, it's because we don't always have the entirety of the story, do we? Right? We think we do. We make judgments based on that, and sometimes we have egg on our face when we do it, right? We have to be careful. Paul uses his apostolic authority, the power of binding and loosing, given him by the Prince of Peace to bind his fellow Christians on this issue, to address it not by ignoring it or running away from it, not by insisting on who's right and who's wrong, but by the power of joy. By the power of joy. I want you to think about this. Imagine what our families, our workplaces, and our friendships would be like if our response to conflict was to turn to the Lord and then to turn back to each other to rejoice in each other. You know, we have a lot of families right here who are under incredible stress right now, right? We have marriages that are breaking. And as a pastor, I am utterly terrified to see this. And I pray about it so much, but it's so hard to see. And so often 
You know, I look at couples and they are so angry at each other that they can't even breathe the same air in the same room sometimes, right? They are bound and determined that they are going to be right and the other is going to be wrong, right? And at a certain point, they're going to say, you know what? I'm done. I'm out. I can't take you. I don't want to see your face or hear your voice anymore, right? It really sometimes gets to that point, and it is very hard. And sometimes I want to just go up to them. And maybe I need to do this, right? Paul called people out, right? Maybe I need to do this more and say, listen, stop. I want you to think about your wedding day. I want you to think about the reasons that you rejoiced in each other, right? That you gave each other hope. Do you remember that? Do you think it's still possible for that to still be there? Because it is, right? Now, of course, I know that you may be sitting there thinking, Father, you are not married, you have no idea, so shut up, right? Of course, because there is no woman crazy enough to marry all of this, right? Okay. But I do know what the Bible says, and I do know what Jesus expects us to do, and Jesus expects us, especially when times are impossible and hard, to rejoice in each other. The Prince of Peace came, it is true, to die. The Son of God was born as a man to take on himself a debt that we could never pay. Because we offended by our sin a God who is without price. And so we are literally priceless to him because we were bought with the infinitely valuable blood of the Lamb of Sacrifice. And the church's response to this gift is not for us to shuffle our feet and hang our heads in shame because our Father God had to go to such lengths to deliver us from ourselves and from our own destruction. The church's response to this gift is to rejoice and rejoice always. Because the shadow of the cross that fell on the manger at Bethlehem has been transformed into unending and uncreated light. We have no reason anymore to fear the darkness of the night of slavery and sin. Because God bids us rejoice and he is at hand to love us into eternal light.